What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you, late evening hours of Tuesday, August 9th, 2022. Uh, so the, the win streak is over <laughs> for the St. Louis Cardinals as they lose to the Colorado Rockies out in Denver tonight by a score of 16-5. to I start off by laughing because I don't know how else to take this uh, from the perspective of the Cardinals as they just got smacked. There's no other way to put it. It was brutal every which way you slice it for the Cardinals tonight. As Miles Michaelis, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen. I don't. I didn't know it was possible for a pitcher to do that, to give up the, the kind of hits and runs that he gave up tonight in such a short period of time. Just a weird game. Michaelis gives up 10 earned runs and doesn't get out of the third. 14 hits in total. Only two strikeouts. They put him in play, and they they got a little bit of everything. They got some base hits. They got some power-based hits with extra bases. They hit balls out of the yard. There's a little bit of everything tonight. From the Colorado Rockies, the Cardinals didn't necessarily benefit the same way offensively from the thin Colorado air this evening. Only eight hits for the Cardinals. I say only. They still scored five runs in the game, obviously, but you don't get quite the offensive performance from some of your big pieces that normally have been, at least over the past week, during the seven-game winning streak. The guys that have been contributing, Cardinals didn't have as much of that. But we'll get into, in tonight's episode of E-Shape Daily, what we saw from the offense, a little bit about what we saw from the pitching. We'll hear from Miles Michaelis as well from the Valley Sports postgame show, get his perspective on what was ostensibly a career-worst outing by Miles Michaelis. I, I can check the game logs, but I don't think I recall him giving up 10 runs in a game this year. I mean, you could go stretches of time where Miles Michaelis over the course of I don't know, five or six starts probably hasn't given up a total of 10 runs. To start the season, Miles Michaelis it, it was was pretty good, and it took him, let's see, five runs he had given up through five starts, six through six, seven through seven. It took him into his ninth start of the year to give up his 10th earned run. Is that right? Yeah, so this is this was a different game, but we'll talk about it from Michael's perspective. We'll hear from the starting pitcher himself. He had some good uh, metaphors, I guess I would say, in his uh, cowboy giddy up, giddy up, cowboy get up that he was wearing post game. The video on uh, Bally Sports Midwest Twitter was a sight to behold. But we'll hear the audio here, and we'll try to break this one down the best that we can. A weird night in a lot of ways for the Cardinals, but maybe just one that they've got to put behind them. But we'll talk about it, and we'll see if there's anything we can learn from this one. Before we get into the content of the show, though, I want to remind you real quick that you can subscribe to V-Shape Daily on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, if you're so inclined to do so. would appreciate you on board. And something new that I'll be mentioning as well in, in the shows moving forward, I talked about it a little bit yesterday at length, but just want to remind you guys, if you missed that, Head to patreon.com slash bshafer12, and that's a way you can support the show as well moving forward on a monthly basis if you choose to do so. There will be some additional bonus content there that you'll only be able to access through the Patreon, but 
It's also uh, a way to sort of support this show, this Be Shafe Daily, which is free to listen to and will remain so. But if you find value in the show and would like to support me and it in that way, patreon.com slash bshafer12. I have one Cardinals blog post from over the weekend up there. I'll be adding to that as we go. There will be exclusive bonus podcasts as well on that channel. And if you're a fan of uh, some of the other content that I do, like Mizzou Sports and fantasy football, things like that will all be behind the Patreon account. And so just a great way if you're interested in in supporting B-Shape Daily further, uh, that's a way that you can do so. Uh, appreciate if you ch- at least give it a check it out on online, patreon.com slash for 12 But enough of that. Let's get into the content of the show. I've stalled as long as I can. I, I wish I could stall for 20 more minutes and then we could say sayonara. But let's go ahead and get into this game. Miles Michaelis was bad, and the Cardinals, Ali Marmel, tried to get him through as deep as he could. Unfortunately for the Cardinals, that was only two and two-thirds innings. Miles said after the game that it was maybe one of those nights where he got nickel and dimed to death. Let's go ahead and hear from Michaelis on what he thought of the start, and then we'll assess kind of our impressions of it as well. Uh, You know, I don't like the the results there. But I got to go back and, and look at some footage. I thought, uh, how many hits did they end up getting? 14. 14? How many? You mean total or off me? Total. Off 22. me. No, well, yeah, off me. I would say, like, four of them were pretty well hit, and I'd say the other 10 were not. You know, you know, you know, tip your cowboy hat, you know, to them putting the ball in play. But, you know, a lot of weak contact, jam shots, you know, numbers find the way through. I mean, sometimes you just have to you know, roll with the tumbleweeds and, you know, deal with your bad luck. Get right back on that pony again. Second, I mean, a lot of things went right for you guys during that pony step. That's part of the mm-hmm. winning. Yeah. Race. I mean, is this kind of the opposite of that? Is that uh, what you're describing? I mean, you could call this game the opposite of our homestand. <laughs> I think that'd be, <laughs> that'd be pretty easy. I don't know if we gave up 16 runs that whole homestand. And there's the impressions from Miles Michael, a starting pitcher for the Cardinals on Tuesday, courtesy of Bally Sports. Yeah, he's he's kind of a funny interview, and the get-up, like I mentioned, wearing the uh, the flannel shirt, the gold chain, the cowboy hat. He's got the mustache. He looks like an old old-time sheriff in a lot of ways. But I like that Miles Michaelis doesn't take it too much to heart. Like, there's only so much you can do after a game like that. Ten earned runs, fourteen hits given up. I don't know if the ratio that he gave four hard hit balls to ten that weren't was maybe completely accurate. The end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like it, when it gets to that point and it gets so bad, I don't really know that there's anything to to really go back to the drawing board about the way that Michael has said. You almost just have to scrap the entire thing. I don't know that I buy that it was one of those games where he genuinely wouldn't change anything that he did, but clearly the Rockies were seeing his ball well. They were making contact. One element that I will say... I can back Michaelis up on this one. Weird game defensively, which you don't often see from the Cardinals, and you definitely don't often see it from the primary source of the weirdness that I saw, which was Nolan Arenado tonight. I don't think the first one cost them anything, but he had a couple of misplays. The first one was an error. I can't recall if the second one was ruled one. One of those plays where he's trying to come into his left, make a barehanded throw across his body, and he sailed the throw a little bit to the first baseman couldn't keep his foot on the bag. But the first one, I don't even, 
it doesn't even make a difference to me that it kind of caught a lip on the the infield and rolled on him. Arenado just didn't keep the glove down. That's a play that he makes 100 times out of 100, and this time he didn't make it. So just a weird game defensively. I questioned after the first one, is it a case of nerves, like going back to play in Denver and just trying to press a little bit too much, the place where you called home for so long? That doesn't seem like something Arenado would would become affected by, but the fact that it happened again where the first one was just brutal. I don't understand how he missed missed the ball, and I guess he's human too. That's what we learned from that lesson. But then he misses a throw a little bit, which sometimes he sailed throws when trying to make exceptional plays. Uh, this one was another one, though, that I thought, yeah, I expect him to make that play. So I don't know if there were nerves in play or what it was. He did have at least one good swing on a double he hit to left, so he wasn't shut out completely on the offensive side of things. But, yeah, just a little bit strange of a night for Arenado on defense. And maybe that just contributes to the strangeness of the game. Like, it was weird. The whole game was was odd for the Cardinals. And, and then you bring in kind of the mop-up relievers, which, again, the commentary that I've been making about this team regarding who's in their bullpen and where the value is and, and whether they need to maybe do something different, I think that comes into play again tonight because you see in a game where they absolutely knew they had no chance whatsoever to win it, what does Ali Marmel do? He goes to Packy Naughton for two and two-thirds, goes to TJ McFarland to finish the game for two and two-thirds. Both pitchers struggled. Everybody struggled tonight. Each of the three, it's it's identical lines. Each of the three pitchers the Cardinals used went two and two-thirds innings. Each of them gave up a home run. The rest of the line, not so much identical because Miles gave up 10 earned Packy Naughton, four, McFarland, two. 22 hits in total, you may have heard during that Michaelis interview with, with Derek Gould giving him the stat on that. That's just, it's a it's an unfortunate way to lose a winning streak, but at the same time, I think it's, it's so far outside the bounds of what we can expect to see from the Cardinals moving forward that maybe we just chalk it up as one of those days. I get a little concerned maybe when I look at Michaelis. Like, we'll talk about the pitching aspects of it because I think it is important. Michaelis giving up 10 runs. He goes from an ERA below three. I think he was like 2.92. I can look it up. Yeah, 2.92 coming into the game. Now he's 3.5. His ERA goes up more than half a run. That's hard to do in August when you've not been injured. You've made every start all year. It's hard to do in your 23rd start, but Michaelis found a way. 10 earned runs. Uh, brutal. He's had a couple of games this year where he's given up six earned runs, but 10 is a new low. And hopefully he's able to bounce back next time. But weirdly, this is now the second pretty bad start in a row by the Cardinals rotation coming from the two top spots within that group, Wainwright and Michaelis, because Wainwright on Sunday was bad. And it just kind of got glossed over by the fact that the Cardinals had that miraculous offensive performance to put up 12 runs and win the game. But now that's two in a row, so keep an eye on that and recognize that if your starters aren't getting you through, like if you have two starts from the guys you expect to most commonly give you six, seven, or eight innings, which are Michaelis and Wainwright this season, you know you still have Dakota Hudson who has to pitch. Uh, It could get a little bit dicey. It certainly could. Good news is you don't waste anybody else from your bullpen of your main guys, but let's get into the relief pitching talk because if Packy Naughton and TJ McFarland can only pitch in these kinds of games, which I realized that Packy threw two-thirds of an inning on Sunday, but that was another strange game. 
But if if these are the kinds of games where you go, well, it's mop-up duty, so let's bring in McFarland and, and Packy Naughton, maybe that's not maybe those aren't the guys that you you should have on the roster. I think in Packy's case, I'm willing to just chalk this up to one bad outing because he has been pretty solid previous to this. He's had a hiccup here and there, but we've seen his value in times when the games are on the line. Packy Naughton has come up really big for this team. This might have been the game where you see TJ McFarland's time with the Cardinals come to an end. I'm not predicting it, but I could see it being the case just because I don't really know what he's still doing there. If he's not trusted to pitch in more prominent situations, that's been what I've harped on the last couple of weeks when we haven't seen him at all. Not since July 26th had we seen him prior to tonight. And even before that, it was July 16th. So we're talking three appearances like in the last month or so. Not a very heavily used guy. And if he's only relied upon in these situations, you could have somebody else do that. You could figure out a way to, like, I think the notion of a break glass in case of emergency reliever being stowed away in your bullpen is more of a bygone era sort of deal. That's a Mike Matheny thing and we hated it when he did it, I don't think that Ollie Marmel needs to do it. And he finally put him into a game, so we can't say, well, he can't prove his worth. Like, if TJ comes out tonight and throws three innings and doesn't give up any runs on one hit, you go, all right, he's figuring it out. But unfortunately, even though I'm willing to chalk it up as just one of those nights for the other guys, I could see the Cardinals saying, all right, this is the justification we need to Now it's mid-August almost, and we've got Zach Thompson that we think can fill your role more effectively. We tried to make it work, TJ, this year. Uh, Congrats on the money, but it might be the end of the line. And I feel bad for McFarland because he hasn't really gotten a fair shake recently, but at the same time, he's had enough of a body of work this year to where you can can understand the decision if it ends up getting made. 6.61 is his ERA, and it's August. That's all. Do we need to say anything more than that? to be able to justify this decision. I think probably not. I think it is time. It's unfortunate because he really was good for the team last year. But you're getting to the point where I think you can find more value in Zach Thompson and you, you've you given McFarland opportunities and it's just he's not really adding value. If he's not getting zeros put up in the games where you use him as a mop-up guy, when it really doesn't matter in those cases, but you'd still like to see quality pitching give you a little bit of confidence for what he could do to work himself back into some leverage situations. So he's not putting up the zeros then, and then clearly not being trusted in anything resembling a close game. So if, if those two things are true, and they are, I think it's I think it's time to probably call it, is what I would say after tonight. And he gave you some innings. They were going to let him ride this thing out the entire way maybe time to get a fresh arm and and call it good on that one. We'll see what they do. I don't know how easy it would be to get a guy like Thompson or somebody else to Colorado. Maybe it's something that doesn't happen till the homestand, but I could see maybe the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel for TJ, which, like I said, I root for TJ. Uh, he's a good dude. I just don't think right now he's he's adding a lot of value to the Cardinals to where you can justify that roster spot being used in the way that it has been over the past three weeks. So that's the way I look at it from the pitching side. I still wonder what we're going to see from Dakota Hudson. Obviously, it seems like he's going to make that next start, even though I've talked about the notion that I would have flopped him and Palante. Uh, Still haven't seen Palante since the four-inning appearance that he made in relief of Hudson the last time. 
it's not acceptable to me to have Dakota Hudson make the next start and then have trouble again, which would put the Cardinals in a position to be like, well, we're going to bring Palante in because he can be the piggyback guy. I wouldn't be in favor of that, so it's going to be important to see uh, what they get from Hudson in his next outing, which is not going to be till Thursday. He'll get the Thursday game, game three of this Rocky series on Thursday afternoon, 2:10 start time for that one. And then it'll be Quintana on Wednesday going against uh, Kyle Freeland for Colorado. So good test for Quintana to pitch in a tough environment and see if he's able to keep things close, keep the uh, the opposing offense that just scored 16 off you, try to keep them down in some capacity. The 16 runs, Michael has said, I don't know if we gave up 16 in the entire homestand. They did, but only because they gave up nine on Sunday. And the homestand between the Cubs and Yankees series, when they swept the, the, the stand, they swept the entire homestand going 6-0, and add the seventh game on uh, Sunday, the previous Sunday in Washington, and that's how you get to seven wins in a row. They had given up 17 runs, nine of them on that final game. So... It's a different kind of night for the Cardinals from a pitching perspective. Worry a little bit, but not too much because we've seen Michaelis have tough games before and he's always bounced back. Same thing for Wainwright. Not worried about either of those two guys, but you don't want that to become a habit, especially when it has been for guys like Hudson to not make it very deep into games. They get bailed out in this case because Packy and McFarland were able to at least get the remainder of the outs without wasting anybody else from your bullpen. But it's a case where the Cardinals are going to want some better outings from Quintana, which I think he can be that quality start kind of guy, get you through at least five, hopefully six. And Hudson's the guy that needs to provide a quality start on Thursday afternoon as well. That's the way I'm looking at things from a pitching perspective. If you want to hear more about the Cardinals pitching and how I'm viewing that situation, looking ahead to next year, scroll back one podcast on your B-Shape Daily feed because that's what we talked about last night. On Monday night, there was no game, and so I decided let's dive in on the rotation looking forward. So for 2023, what does that look like? Who are the candidates? What are the the most likely occurrences that we see? We predicted one trade. We predicted at least one guy from this current rotation to leave uh, and, and maybe another one to come back that's currently in the rotation but would be a free agent after the year. May not be the names you're expecting, so go back and listen to that if you're interested but let's get into what we saw from the offense tonight for the Cardinals, and uh, then we'll wrap up with one very sad bit of injury news that I want to make sure we touch on before we wrap up the show today. I liked what I saw from the bottom of the order. Andrew Kisner, two for four. Tommy Edmond, two for four. That's needed from Edmond, needed from Kisner as well. But Edmond in particular, uh, just because I think he's a guy that you could end up needing him to be back up at the top of the order. I don't know what's going on with Dylan Carlson. I can't figure it out. I know he's better than this. I know I got a lot of comments on Twitter tonight that, like, a little bit snarky. Oh, well, this is the guy that they wouldn't trade for Juan Soto. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Dylan does need to be better and more consistent. I don't really know. They they talk about him being such an even-keeled guy, but sometimes it feels like you, you lack the pulse when you're not getting into the flow of the game with a little more emotion. So I don't know where Dylan is and, and where he needs to be. But not a great night tonight. 0 for 4, two strikeouts. He did reach via walk. But Cardinals still have a hole in their leadoff spot. We can be honest about that. I like what Gorman can bring. He batted second tonight, got one base hit, scored a run. Uh, and 0 for for Goldie, unusual. We mentioned the double for Arenado. O'Neal, the 0 for. That's another one that's killing me right now because his 
OPS of 641. He's batting below 200 since he came back from the most recent stint on the injured list. That's a spot that they really need to get going. DeYoung got it going. He had another home run tonight. The batting average isn't great, but he's got the OPS almost as high for the season as Tyler O'Neill's. 624 versus 641. DeYoung to O'Neill. Uh, so I don't worry about DeYoung. I think he's going to continue to probably hit for a lowish batting average. Like if he goes 220 the rest of the way, that is what it is. But I think he's going to do it with enough power that he actually ends up being a productive hitter in the lineup, especially if he's only batting seventh. But if we're if we're sort of auditing roles and, and spots in this lineup, right now for me it's Tyler O'Neill's role and it's Dylan Carlson's role. Dylan Carlson being the leadoff man, I think you bump him down, but who do you have to replace him with? Edmund, that's that's basically your your other option. And he every time he goes back into the leadoff spot, it seems like he starts to struggle again. Is Lars Newtbar? Is that something you'd you'd heap onto his plate? He's not really a huge on base guy, but then again, he's been climbing in that department recently. Tonight, one for two with two runs scored and two RBIs, and, and he ropes another double. So I like what we're seeing out of Newt right now. Maybe he's a candidate. He's certainly a guy that's got to stay in the lineup every day. He's got a higher OPS for the season than Dylan Carlson. It's just tricky. We know that Dylan can be better than this, but he's not consistently doing it. He'll have a few good games, and then he'll go three games in a row, and you look at him and go, wow, it's an 0 for 11. What happened to Carlson? So for his sake, you want to, and for the, the sake of the team, obviously, you want to see more out of DC3 than I think they've been getting recently but I don't know if like Newt Barr okay his OPS or pardon me OBP is up to 325 it's decent it's probably higher than Carlson's for the year and might even be higher than Tommy Edmonds as well I don't know that that means it's uh, a situation where you say yeah that's a guy that we're good with in the leadoff spot Cardinals have a little bit of a hole there you'd say well maybe they can address it in the offseason I don't really know they have the guys they have they continue to bake themselves into this corner Maybe it's a reason that we look back and do regret that the fact they didn't trade for Juan Soto. Uh, but yeah, there's pressure on Carlson to be a little bit more than he's been. There's pressure on O'Neill. It's the same damn thing every year, though. Like I I know the Cardinals just won seven in a row, so pardon me for getting a little frustrated, but it's always the same thing. You can go back to the like the Dexter Fowler era. You could go, I mean, the Cardinals have always had these solid outfielders, but then you look at the end of the day and go, are their numbers, like, their numbers are good. They're average to above average in many cases. But if you replaced some of the average guys with, like, elite talent in that outfield, you would you would absolutely explode as an offense. But you don't want to replace Carlson because you go, well, I know what he can do. He's not doing it enough lately, and so your offense might suffer a little bit because of it. And you might say, you're being kind of hard on Dylan Carlson. I I just want to highlight it because his OPS is 708. Like, that's not that's not above average. That's not what he's capable of. The Cardinals do need more from him. Tyler O'Neill, they need more from him. And he's not looked as good recently. Didn't strike out tonight in an 0 for 4. But, man, for what he did last year, 912 OPS, that's what Arenado's doing this year. Like, they had another Arenado in their lineup last year that they don't have right now because O'Neill is just kind of scuffling. I would give consideration to calling up Alec Burleson. I really would. Even if it means O'Neill is sort of a pinch hit threat for a little while, or maybe he can slide into center and you give Dylan a day. I just think you want to make sure, and again, this could be overreacting to one game where the offense still scored five runs, but I'm just looking at the season-long numbers, the numbers over the last month or so, 
It's that number one spot in the lineup, whether it's Edmund or Carlson, one of them's got to find a way to consistently fill it and get on base. And the other spot is that O'Neill spot where right now it's just it's been a little bit lacking on a consistency basis. Like what we're seeing from Newt Barr, I mentioned Young had the home run tonight. Kiz and Edmund from the bottom of the order with multiple base hits. So you get eight hits, you score five runs, you walk four times, you had an opportunity probably to do a little bit more damage if you only come up with five runs for those 12 base runners, 11 left on base tonight for the Cardinals. Uh, but there was just, there were just more impactful swings from the other side of things than uh, what the Cardinals were able to come up with. It really did pile up there for a while. Like Randall Gritchick had four hits tonight. I, I don't know what the final tally uh, was on him. Yeah. Five for five. Yeah. He got that fifth hit as well. So that that's the Randall Gritchick revenge game. Brennan Rogers had four hits. Iglesias, three hits. They had 22 hits. It's 22 hits and 16 RBIs. I mean, it's just bonkers. It's bonkers, but it's just one of those games that the Cardinals have got to chalk up to Coors Field weirdness, and they move on from here. I will say, though, 25 runs allowed by the Cardinals pitching in the last two games. It's maybe not something that you think about in those terms because you did win the first one. I just want to make sure we make note of it before I say, no, I don't think it's a cause for long-term concern yet. But you could easily see, I mean, this is a game of ebbs and flows. And the Cardinals were in a peak. They could enter a valley very quickly if suddenly Quintana doesn't show the way that that he did in his first game. And then Hudson has another start, the likes of which he's had often this season. You see the bullpen getting banged up. And then suddenly you've got a weekend against Milwaukee when you're at less than full strength. Not to be doom and gloom, but let's just recognize the potential that it would happen that way. I don't think it will, though. Uh, let's see if Quintana can be the stopper. I think it, I think that word is actually uh, applicable here because if you've given up 25 runs in two games as a team, you do need somebody to stop that bleeding, even though you're one and one in those games. So that's sort of the way I view it from a pitching perspective. And I mentioned what I thought offensively. Uh, the Cardinals are still okay. They're still going to be fine. But you'd like to see, like, if you could wave your magic wand and give an uptick to a couple of spots... It's Carlson and it's and it's Tyler O'Neill for me. Those would be the two. So we'll see what those guys are able to do as this series goes along. You face Kyle Freeland. You face Herman Marquez uh, the next two days. Those are two gettable guys. The Cardinals can get both these guys. So I'll be curious to see if maybe it turns into that sort of series at Coors Field where, yeah, there's a lot of runs scored, but ultimately you're okay with it because you're, you're just able to outslug the other side with what you bring to the table. want to check real quick. Cardinals don't have great numbers historically against Kyle Freeland. They don't have a ton of guys who have faced him or seen him a whole lot. Everybody's like between one and five at bats, except for Albert, and he doesn't have great numbers against him. Yachty has some decent numbers uh, in terms of getting on base. Paul Goldschmidt uh, on base at a 360 clip, but no power, interestingly enough, throughout this team. Not a lot of power against tomorrow's starter, or I should say Wednesday's starter, Kyle Freeland. So we'll see how the Cardinals are able to handle that lefty. I would stack it with as many righties as you can. Pujols should still find his way in, and we we kind of go from there. But I'd say with a game like that, there's not a whole lot else to say. So I do think I'm going to start to wind the podcast down here. But I will mention, for, for nights like this, if you've got questions, anytime you see them regarding the Cardinals, Hit me up on Twitter at bshafer12, and maybe that's a way that we fill time with a little bit of uh, fun stuff. It doesn't have to be something that's directly related to what's going on right now. It can be you want to know about 
the left field position for 2023. Anything that comes to your mind, never hesitate to ask it. And, and sometimes maybe I'll bank some of that information for when the Cardinals decide to give up 16 runs in a game and uh, completely tank the podcast. So sorry that this was a bit of a, a doomy and gloomy kind of episode, but I, I roll with the punches. When you go every day, you got to talk about what's going on that day. And for the Cardinals today, it wasn't a good one. But they're still in the position, obviously, ahead of the Brewers in the National League Central. Check in on the Brewers from tonight. They did get the win over the Tampa Bay Rays. So the Cardinals now drop down to just one game ahead of Milwaukee. And we know that's going to be a huge series coming up at Bush Stadium over the weekend. So the Cardinals can try and fight back, win this series against Colorado. That would be to their benefit. But we'll see what ends up happening. We'll be right here to break it all down on Wednesday and Thursday evening on B-Shape Daily. Once again, I want to remind you about the Patreon, patreon.com slash for 12 Check it out. Maybe I'll put up a, a sarcastic blog post on Wednesday talking about the Cardinals' loss in Colorado. But there'll be plenty of content coming that way, and it's also a way to support this podcast uh, by throwing a, a few bucks a month down and saying B-Shape Daily. I, I ride with them. So appreciate you guys, as always, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.